Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Dr. Lonnie Lowry. I am a nutrition and an exercise physiology professor, and I'm a competitive bodybuilder. Hello, people. It's Robert Fortress Fortney here. I'm a former editor at Muscle Mag International, former competitive bodybuilder, and uh, now powerlifter. Hey, this is Phil Stevens. I'm a powerlifter, uh, Highland Games athlete, and, and strength coach. Awesome. Founder of LiftForHope.org and StrengthGuild.com. Awesome. And today we have with us uh, Christine Bongiovanni and Tom Kemper, who are bodybuilding show promoters and advocates for the sport, among other things. And, um, Christine, if you can maybe just share uh, something about who you are briefly. Um, hi, Lonnie. I am an IFBB professional female bodybuilder, um, state chairman of the NPC districts in Minnesota, North, and South Dakota, and I own a personal training business, on-track training. Awesome. Okay, and Tom, uh, maybe just share who you are. Uh, I am a show promoter for the NPC Upper Midwest Bodybuilding Fitness Figure Champion, oh, and Bikini Championships in Fargo, North Dakota. Uh, I guess my, my day job, I'm a chiropractor. Uh, as well, I guess I've recently this year competed in a powerlifting meet and in the past done some bodybuilding shows and look forward to doing a few more. Oh, awesome. Okay. Well, my original interest uh, and exposure to Christine and Tom was as bodybuilding promoters, and that's sort of our um, our focus of the show, although the competitive cred is obviously important there. So uh, just a couple of questions, and we can start with Christine, but um, you mentioned IFBB pro status. I mean, that's no small feat. So maybe you can just expound on how you got interested in, in women's bodybuilding and you know, your background in moving that maybe into show promoting or, or what have you? Um, my How I got into it originally was back uh, 22 years ago. Um, I've been an athlete my whole life. I had my daughter at uh, 25 years of age and was looking for something that I could do as an independent sport all on my own without, you know, group sports. So I started bodybuilding and um, in 94, I believe, 95, I turned pro at the NPC Nationals and competed for about five years on the pro line um, and then retired for health reasons for the most part. And after retiring, I started promoting shows, became the state chairman, and um, it all kind of kept going hand in hand. I actually was a graphic artist prior to starting my business, and after getting laid off, went into training people. I've been doing it for 22 years, so it's kind of all come together and is related. Oh, okay. So you turned pro just a year after getting into bodybuilding. Is that what you said? No, 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 no. And uh, I had my daughter in 88, okay. um, and I did my first show in 89. Um, and competed and turned pro in, I think, 95. I'm horrible oh, okay. at remembering dates. But, no, it was six, 
seven years, maybe. Okay, right. Okay, that makes more sense. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now, uh, Tom, how about you? What What's your origins? I mean, you're a power and bodybuilding, so you fit in with this podcast pretty well, the people we, we've had on. So what about your origins? Oh, well, gosh, honestly, I, I started lifting weights when I was 14 years old in, you know, my parents' basement. That was the start, I guess. Um, from that time, I've always been interested in bodybuilding, you know, kind of fitness in general. And uh, so, yeah, I've, I've been around, um, I guess, working out from a very young age. I'm 36 now. Um, I guess as far as the powerlifting, I've never really been competitive up until this last year. I'd never really thought of it, but... Uh, we have a fair amount of powerlifters again in this area, and so I don't know if they convinced me or I convinced myself. And uh, we, I did a powerlifting meet March 19th, uh, basically a week before the show I promoted. So that was all uh, pretty exciting to do and uh, to do something different other than just bodybuilding. Uh, I competed bodybuilding in uh, 2007 and 2009 as my most recent shows. Oh, all right. Rock on. So... As far as becoming promoters, uh, you know, I'm just, I don't want to assume that you just did that as a way to, you know, advocate for the sport or expand the sport, but, uh, what I wanted to ask you about was, we could start off with questions like this. What do you find is, uh, sort of satisfying or what's the hardest about running and promoting shows? And again, the reason I, I wanted to ask you guys is because, uh, Tom, I know your show was run as a very tight ship and you do some very cool things with the judges and having them follow up and all those kinds of things, but, so, Let's just stick with you, Tom. So as far as moving into promoting, like let's say we have listeners who might be interested in trying to be an NPC show promoter in the future or something like that. Um, what do you like about it and what do you think is hard about it? You know, uh, I guess the biggest thing is I do enjoy people being able you know, Fargo itself, the reason my show kind of started was there hadn't been a show here, I think in about three or four years, before I, I started putting one on, uh, I started way back in 2003 with the NPC Upper Midwest. Um, you know, I guess it was kind of a crazy weekend trip to Minneapolis and uh, wound up coming back and deciding to promote a show. So um, here it is. You know, we're now looking at 2011 going into 2012, and it's still happening. So um, the, the challenges are definitely there to get it going if you've never done it. Uh, the biggest thing, uh, you know, for me was looking at promoting a show through a competitor's eyes, you know, um, being able to, you know, I guess put yourself in a, in a competitor's shoes and seeing what they needed and what they wanted. Uh, you know, as far as getting going, really the first step, and I, I would probably pass it off to Christine, is the first step is get a hold of your state chair if you're looking at getting into promoting, uh, you know, a bodybuilding uh, show. And, you know, you do, there's some things from the NPC side. Uh, that you really do need to know and uh, need to be handled correctly and appropriately. Uh, and, and Christine and I have worked really well together as far as getting shows going, getting them organized, and, and kind of, I guess, lack of a better, using your term, running a tight ship, uh, really kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with us working, uh, I guess, well together. Okay, Christina, what, what about your thoughts on that? I mean, especially being a, sort of a, a, a chairman. So you have uh, multiple responsibilities, not just the promotion of a single event, obviously. Right. Well, and the same thing Tom said. I mean, I, I think that we get into this because of our passion for it. And, um, you know, I was when I got into it, I got lucky. And, well, whether it's lucky or not, the two shows that I started promoting, um, 
were shows that a, a former competitor uh, promoted and he passed away. So they were kind of left hanging. Um, and so I was at a point where I was done competing and ready to take on something else. So I took him on. And, and as a former competitor, um, understanding, you know, the little things that really help you out and wanting to make everything run smooth for the athletes and make it a pleasurable experience. They, you know, go through a lot of work to get there and and making it a great show for the audience since we are paying a lot of money to come watch it. Um, That's, uh, you know, it's a wonderful thing. As for me being the chairman where I'm running the NPC part and the promoter running the, the show part, um, and a trainer who has athletes in this show, it, it gets really crazy. <laughs> right. Um, but I think it's all well worth it, and, and we have a passion for it. So we enjoy doing what we're doing. Well, this is sort of a, a naive question for either of you, but can these kinds of promotions be profitable? <laughs> Tom, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> Tom, you, you can know, that um, yeah, well, I'll start out. I tell you what, the um, the beginning for me was was definitely rough. Um, you know, the prior promoter here, um, I don't want to say did a bad job. He upset a lot of people locally. So to be very honest, uh, to get a show going from scratch was tough uh, as far as finding sponsors, and, and especially when and the prior promoter kind of had had some bad blood in town. Uh, it, it takes a while to get things rolling. Um, I, I definitely wouldn't recommend somebody go, go into promoting a show to make money. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, you know, it, 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 profitable, yeah, you can, you can make a show. Um, but, you know, I think the first thing for me is I do it because I want to, and, and I, don't, I try to stay away from that, that profit thing and worry about that first and foremost. You know, I want a good show. I want the athletes and their friends and families to come to watch to uh, experience something good. So, uh, you know, I've had a couple rough hits. You know, nothing. We had the flood. I had to postpone the show two weeks because they shut the town down. Uh, so, no, profitability is not always there when stuff like that happens. Right. Now, for someone who, considering something like this, would you suggest, what, two or three years at least to try to build the reputation uh, before you would even hope to uh, start to make a little profit or – you know, starting from something from scratch, yeah, I would, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll defer to Christina and her thoughts too, because I, you know, she took over shows that were up and going, but she still had to, had to kind of make those shows, uh, better too. And, and for me, starting from scratch, yeah, I would say you need at least three years, uh, is what you need to expect. You, if you plan on putting your A show on and it not turning out like you thought, well, that's, it's going to be tough because it may not that first year. But, uh, you know, I, I think you need to give it three years would be my opinion. Well, three years is a hope. I mean, the, the problem with something like this is there's no predictability. Um, you know, actually, my very first show was uh, an outstanding quantity of athletes, and I knew to myself that, that I, you know, still had to play conservative because, um, you know, we went, let's say, for example, um, in, I believe, 2009, the Gopher State Classic had 120 athletes, which is a record since I've been chairman here, um, which oh, I don't even know, Tom, when that even happened, four or five years ago, maybe? 
Uh, I believe I believe oh six oh seven was your first. Uh, yeah. My show that you were chairman of was oh seven. Okay. And then you know the following year in two thousand and ten the Gopher State Classic had about sixty athletes. So you can't. Oh. Mm-hmm. You know you can't predict anything. You can kind of assume numbers will stay consistent and continue to grow and hope that happens, but. You're not doing it. There's so many people that say, oh, they make so much money and I'm going to do it to make money. You can't plan on doing it to make money. You've got to have the passion first and then hope that, you know, I've never figured out my total hours put in and divided out, you know, how much money is made and figured out my hourly, you know, paycheck. Right, right. You know, you're, you're not going to get rich off of doing it. You're doing it again because you... Have a passion for it. So as an amateur event, uh, I'm just making this assumption, but I'm assuming the more competitors you have, the bigger the crowd because it's largely family and friends that attend, right? Correct. I mean, here in in Minneapolis area, I estimate about one, uh, 10 people in the audience per athlete. Now, Tom gets a little higher percentage up there. Um, but that's so you can kind of get an idea of how many tickets you're going to sell that way, and I think that's a good average. Yeah, and that that's correct. I, I, I up here on average run a little higher than that, but it's it's real close. It's anywhere from ten to twelve uh, tickets sold in the audience per each competitor. So you know, I usually figure twelve, and that's usually winds up going you know pretty darn close to what my final ticket sales are. So. Yeah, you kind of base it, and, and, you know, the tough thing is, as Christine just alluded to, is, you know, sometimes you'll have a really big show, especially for hers, and I think, I don't know if people get scared. They see how many competitors were there the year before, and then the next year, you know, you don't see as many because right. they're worried that there's going to be so many competitors. I, I really don't know the competitors' thought on that, I you know, and I get asked that question by competitors is, oh, how many are in this class? And it's like, you know what, you have to go in there with, the you know, do the best work for yourself and and not, you know, worry if there's, you know, 12 people in a class because my middleweight and light-heavy classes, there's usually anywhere from 9 to 12 guys in those divisions, and they are the most competitive. And, and you know, so guys will ask them, sometimes you you got to go in and make the best the best you you can be and, and not worry sometimes about the placing first and foremost. You know, you got to worry about being the best person on stage you can be. Right. Good advice. That's sort of a theme I think we've had here on Iron Radio for a couple of episodes. Phil always says that if you're worried about the competition who you can't possibly predict, even if you're local, you know, you're not putting enough energy into yourself. No. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Now, okay. Now, that's interesting to me that you're saying that because when I was younger and competing more, uh, that was the sort of the scuttlebutt in the gym, you know, was, oh, the show is big. So this next year it might be smaller. You know, because people right. don't want to jump into a gigantic, super competitive class. But you don't necessarily see it undulate like that as promoters. You know, I think that honestly, we're pretty consistent. Um, I don't really know what happened that year. Uh, I have my uh, opinions as to the reasons the number dropped off, I and mean, we had date changes and. Um, Honestly, I think they've been pretty consistent, and they continue to grow a little bit at a time. Um, and but that does happen, you know. The guys show one year might be fantastic, and then all of a sudden you think that we're getting more guys into the sport, and then all of a sudden, you know, the next show 
you have a smaller amount of men. The mm-hmm. women, I don't know. The women just seem to keep coming. You know, they um, we keep getting more and more of them, and um, especially with the figure and the bikini. Um, uh, the women, body, female bodybuilders, I think, worry more about their competition, but I think it seems like with figure and bikini, they just keep coming, and um, they're just happy to be there. Right. Actually, that's a good. That's a great segue. I was going to ask you specifically, Christine, about – well, actually, Tom, too. Wasn't there a single female competitor at your most recent event? I mean, do you see yeah. this yeah. Do you see this sort of shrinking? Yeah. Or, oh, definitely. Uh, yeah, I, I have. Honestly, Lonnie uh, – 08, 09, uh, I had a total of, I had three female bodybuilders total. Uh, mm-hmm. 2010, um, yeah, I, wait, 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 I'm not sure about that. Wait a minute. Uh, 9 and 10, excuse me, I had three. The year before, I'd have to look back, but I had basically the last couple of years I've had three, and then this year was just one in 2011. We only had one. So, yeah, definitely shrinking. I remember my first year, can, you know, no, probably second year. I probably had seven or eight female bodybuilders, and and it's just, uh, yeah, it's really good, and not, and not even people, I guess, becoming more interested in it. Um, I think a lot of the girls now are are going towards the figure, and and some of those that want to start out and do figure are starting out in the bikini, and and now they, you know, also people that want to do the bikini. We do. I'm not sure, Lonnie, if you're familiar with this, but the NPC at our Board of Governors meeting last year, the, the men have a new division, which is called Physique, mm-hmm. which is catering more to the model-type guy, the guy who doesn't want to get too big. And then they've also introduced Physique for Women, which um, this year in, in uh, 2011, we will have it at the national level. And then... Um, and 2012, we'll have it at the state level. And physique is really, I mean, I have a passion for female bodybuilding, obviously, and it's sad to me what has happened to women's bodybuilding, um, both on the pro level and where it's gone to. And, and honestly, I can say if I were 25 years old right now and looking at female bodybuilding, the whole federation wouldn't appeal to me because I wouldn't feel like I could do female bodybuilding and just for me, I'm not interested in doing figure. Um, so, so this would have no interest for me. So they are introducing this physique division, which I feel will eventually replace women's bodybuilding. And it is basically bodybuilding. But the word bodybuilding for females, um, you know, it's the same as for men. So it seems to bring that connotation of bigger harder, leaner is better, and it's gotten to an extreme that is not really attainable Right. realistically. So women's physique, I am very uh, hopeful that it's going to bring a whole group of women. There's a lot of women doing figure that are just a little too big and too muscular for figure, and there's a lot of women who are looking at this physique and, and thinking that it might be their fit. So Okay. No, I, I I hear what you're saying about it, it does make you sort of sad. Uh, when I see the men's physique category, uh, for example, a few weeks ago when I was in St. Louis, the promoters were, were honestly, I can't say, or at least the, the people who are expediting backstage and whatnot, they weren't super supportive of the men's physique stuff. I mean, they're saying, you men's physique or fitness guys or whatever, you're next. And I'm like, oh, man. Oh, oh uh, man. Oh, you know, Christine's show was actually the first uh, – 
so I didn't have it at my show just because it, it came out. You know, the board of the governors was kind of late. Uh, you know what? As far as we do Christine's backstage expediting, and honestly, I I would a lot of those guys actually knew them. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that division. Uh, there's there's no reason to treat those guys as uh, I guess if you want to call it a lesser competitor or anything else. Uh, Honestly, one of the competitors that won my heavyweight bodybuilding uh, did the physique down there, softened up over the week, and went down there. And actually, I believe Brandon took second in the physique yeah. down there. Oh. So there's, you know, there's nothing wrong with that division. Uh, hey, it's not for, you know, some of the old hardcore bodybuilders, of course, are going to probably joke and laugh and giggle about it. But you know what? Um, I'm a bodybuilder. I, I love that. But there is nothing wrong with that division at all. Actually, one of the guys I spoke to recently who competed in that, you know, because I'm sort of asking, I'm like, what's up with the knee length shorts and, you know, and the <laughs> hand in the pocket kind of thing? Because I am one of those old school types, I guess. Right. But he's like, well, think about stuff like, you know, getting a uh, photo attention or contracts or those kinds of things. You know, the physique thing can actually be more appealing than the hardcore bodybuilding, you know, right. to the average public. So I guess, right. you know, I can see that as well. So, uh, well, one more question before we we'll take a little break for some announcements here. But uh, what do you feel sets your shows apart, Tom? Let's start with with you. You did a couple of things up there that I thought were very smooth and sort of quality driven. And I'm sure Christine does a lot of this kind of stuff too. But what sets your shows apart, or what's advice you might have for someone to improve their shows? Oh, gosh, uh, almost tough to answer, I guess. Uh, part of it is, like I said, honestly, dealing with somebody like Christine, who uh, she has really done a lot for the district as far as, uh, I mean, herself as a chairman uh, does a great job. But, you know, getting together, uh, I guess, as a promoter and, and herself, so she understands our side of things um, as well. You know, I, I guess it's almost hard for me to answer that, Lonnie. Um, I would just say that, you know, I, I try to, you know, I when I compete, I always try to take something away from the show, and each show every year try to take, you know, how can I make the show better next year and run more smoothly. And, you know, I have a great staff also. You know, I have to put, put a lot of credit on my staff. I mean, I basically at this point, we've done it so long, and they have been with me so long, I kind of throw their paperwork at them. Here's the list. Here's the script. Have a good day. You know, okay. they've worked with me very well. So uh, it's just a matter of, I think, truly, um, and also going through the show in your head, you know, in your mind's eye, sitting back the weeks before the show, and Christine will probably say the same thing, is to kind of review it. Okay, the athletes are going to come on stage like this, and this is what's going to happen uh, when, and just kind of go through it. And then, like I say, being a competitor myself and, and Christine in the past as well, I think you, you really you know, try to put a good show on for not only the competitor and, and their friends and family in the audience as well. So practice, rehearse the timing, get used to where people should be standing, all of that kind of stuff. Pretty much, yeah. Well, you know, two things that I, I noticed, Tom, at least, uh, that you actually ask the judges to actually give written comments to competitors about what they felt they could improve. Oh, I thought well, that was very impressive. That- yeah, no, actually that kind of comes from Christine, so I, I can't really take full credit for that there. That's, uh, that's, that's credit to Christine, and I, and I really think it helps competitors, because, you know, if you get off stage and, you know, some guys are fairly new to it, and they're thinking, well, gosh, I thought I did the right things, but I got fifth or I got fourth, I thought I was a little better than that, you know, they can get critiqued by the judges and say, hey, hey man, you're close, but maybe work on these things. You know, it, it gives a competitor because nothing's worse than coming off stage if you don't know what you did wrong or, or what you need to work on, 
and second and going, well, I got a fifth, but I'm not sure why or what, what, what do I need to work on to get first or what, you know, what needs right. to improve. And, you know, some people are honest with themselves enough that they know, but sometimes it, it helps to have that judges to say, hey, here, I'm a judge. I'm going to say when you're on stage, you know, whether it be color or oil or posing or, uh, do you need size, conditioning, you know, it, it just, it really does help the competitors, but no, I, I can't take credit for that. That's really okay. a good team, uh, thing there. <laughs> I apologize, Christy. I just, I was exposed to Tom's show and I thought that was cool. And I'll tell you the other thing that he may have borrowed from you, or it could be yours, Tom, you tell me, but was the whole idea of putting, uh, mailing nameplates with actual names for the trophies. Um, that was sort of cool. (laughs) I've always done that, um, with my shows. I'm not sure if that started with the first chairperson I had, or I, I guess it's just a preference I have to just not have the stock fourth place, you know, whatever. Exactly. I like to have the competitor's name on there. And I um, I, I, I think Christine's always done hers that way as well. But I, I just, I guess I prefer that myself. And that's just kind of the way I do it, yeah. Cool. Any thoughts from you, Christine, about things that set your, your events apart? Well, I think um, the biggest thing, if somebody is thinking about promoting a show, is that even if you've competed multiple times running a show is totally different and it's like putting a, a together a play for an audience everything is scripted out um and practice your staff is crucial um and tom has an excellent group of staff i have my help is fabulous and my help includes tom he comes down and helps us um and everything is scripted out and thought out beforehand. I also have learned a lot from I help expedite, and I'm a national judge at the national shows. I help expedite and put things together. And okay. and just working with a big crew on a bigger level just teaches you to think about making things more efficient and more beautiful on stage so that it's more of an event for people to come see. Um, and then, you know, the critiques, the athlete critiques, honestly, I think every athlete in the, that is truly an athlete knows what they need to work on, um, but some, many need affirmation of that. No, uh, for sure. Okay, let's go ahead and just take a break here briefly for some public service messages, and then when we get back, we'll touch on some of these same topics. This is Rob Fortress Fortney, and I'm here to let listeners know about the upcoming Strength Workshop, co-hosted by Iron Radio in Las Vegas, Nevada, this coming June. Stay tuned for details. Simply listen to www.ironradio.org, also on iTunes, and check out the site as well. Hope to see you in Vegas, where some of the industry's smartest and strongest guys will be waiting to talk shop with you. But the closer I came to this competition, the more people started speculating on the idea that I would be competing. And uh, uh, the more I started thinking about the possibility. And so around three weeks or two weeks ago, I decided, well, I think it would be kind of an interesting challenge, really, to uh, do something in in eight weeks that most of the guys do uh, in uh, preparing a year or two years in advance. Okay, uh, we're back from break, everyone. Uh, what I want to do is, before we get into the topic of the day, uh, which is essentially bodybuilding uh, as art versus sport, 
or even spectacle. Uh, I just want to give uh, Christine Bongiovanni a chance to maybe share some websites. Of course, she's uh, very good at promoting bodybuilding, and so we'll give her the opportunity to do that a little bit. So where what are websites that um, listeners can go to, Christine, to kind of uh, get familiar with what you do? We um, have a district website, and we meaning um, Minnesota, North, and South Dakota, um, which is you know, our districts for the national NPC. Um, and so our our website is mnnpc.com. Okay. So the abbreviation for Minnesota and then NPC, which is the National Physique Committee. And um, I have not updated that to include the other two states since I become, became chairman of those states. But um, all of the information for our states are, is on that website. Um, for all the, there are no shows in South Dakota as of yet. Um, and then the national website is um, National Physique Committee, all spelled out. dot com. Okay. Yeah, I've noticed that you're you're quite good about doing things like uh, I receive emails from you on a mailing list with you. You sort of have electronic versions of of the competition, the poster contest posters yep. and things like that. Yep. I thought that was very professional. Yep. So that's a kind of thing yep. I think listeners can take a page from as well. Okay, uh, before we get into the topic, uh, Rob, you mentioned something about um, wanting to uh, point out uh, Bob Bonham's competition. Is that right? Uh, yeah, he's, uh, I got an email from him, um, about a week ago, I suppose. Let me just find it here. And he's promoting a Mr. America competition. And I think he's resurrecting, cause it, cause it, it disappeared for a few, um, a few years. Here, I'm just opening the, I, I promised him that I would mention this. Yeah, so the Mr. America 2011, um, INBF, American Women's uh, American Women's Championships. It's May 21st um, at the Martin Luther King Jr. High School in Amsterdam, uh, Amsterdam Avenue in New York, New York, New York. So let me see if there's any uh, phone number here. I can't see a phone number. Anyway, I'm sure if you go online, you just uh, type in the Mr. America again, uh, Mr. America and American Women's Championships. It's again May 21st um, in New York, New York. So and it's it's actually very reasonable. It's the purchase Prejudging tickets are twenty five bucks, and the night show is fifty. So, um, anyway, yeah. So, uh, oh, now what federation is that again? Did you say it's Bob? the INBF? INBF. Okay. Yeah, and he's uh, he's included me with, with the email he sent me all the past overall winners of the Mister America, which you know, I mean, we all know, of course, that you know some pretty esteemed names in the you know the annals of uh, bodybuilding have won that title, but it's really amazing when you actually look at some of these names, you know, going back from the first one, 1938 for, you know, Burke Goodrich and John Grimmick and Jules Bacon, Steve Stanko, Clarence Ross, yeah. you know, of course, Steve, Steve Reeves, George Efferman, um, you know, Roy Hilligan. I'm sorry. No, there's some old names. I know, eh? It's amazing. Bill Pearl, 1953. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, this is the, it's, it's, but, you know, Vern Weaver, of course. Um, a lot of history. De- Dennis Tenorino yeah. in 1967. I mean, it's, it's really is amazing because again, like we all, all of us who are, you know, love bodybuilding, of course, know that some huge names have owned that. But when you actually look at the list of the, I mean, Boyer Coe, Chris Dickerson, K- Casey Vieter, you know, Steve Michalik. Um, I got your info he, for you here. Tony Pearson, Ray Menser, Tim Belknap. 
I mean, Jeff. Oh, Kane, Tim I mean, Belknap. Yeah. This is, I mean, a, just, this is like my <laughs> history all the way up through. Like once we got to our age group. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think, I think outside of this one, I think it stopped, it ceased to be. And I, I, I mean, the timeline ends in 1999, uh, with the mm-hmm. winner then Tracy Dorsey. So, um, if, if that's correct, I believe it's uh, resurrected after, well, what is that now? Like, uh, 10, 11 years now. So, yeah. yeah. So anyway, uh, good luck, good luck to, uh, Bob Bonham with that. Of course, he's a, he's an Iron Radio friend of ours, of course. Uh, Lonnie and I have, have, have some history with him in his strong and shapely gym there in, uh, New Jersey. So, yeah. Anyway, so anybody who's interested I, um, in that. I actually oh. competed info, yeah. at his, uh, it worked out in his gym when they used to have, um, the strength extravaganza out there in New Jersey. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. That was right before we I turned pro, but he used to he along with um Kenny Castle, if that name I don't know if you know that. Oh yeah, Kenny oh, yeah. Passed, uh Kenny passed away a couple of years ago now, but um yeah, they used to do the strength extravaganza out there. Yeah. Yeah, Rob, you remember I actually listeners, uh, there are some pictures on the ironradio.org uh photo page or bio page of Rob and I lifting out in Strong and Shapely Gym. Yeah. Like, I don't know, like from like 10 or 15 years ago or something crazy. It was kind of fun. Yeah. yeah. For, uh, for more information, visit inbf.net or email ssgym01 at aol.com or call 201-896-1360. You see, that's why we keep, that's why we keep him around. I uh, know. Yeah, go Phil. My little fingers. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to the topic of the day. I know Christine's running out of time, so if you need to go at any time that we all start chipping in, this is a bit more of a free-for-all here. Um, mm-hmm. Feel free. But um, basically the idea here is uh, we're going to discuss whether bodybuilding is an art form. I know some competitors look at it like that. I mean, Zane really jumps to mind if we want to go back to the history books a little bit. Versus mm-hmm. a sport, you know, is bodybuilding a sport like other sports are a sport? Or you know uh, a, a less charitable observer might say it's a, it's a bit more like uh you know a, a spectacle or which isn't necessarily bad i mean uh, christine you mentioned uh, like a theater or like um a play or something and i see a lot of similarities with that the way we get so painted up you know in mm-hmm. coloration that's very extreme to stand next to but on the stage looks appropriate and i see that mm-hmm. as being very similar with like cosmetics from a theater perspective, you know. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, anybody want to uh, start on that, or should I pick on pick on somebody? Well, you and I, Lonnie, have, of course, you know, have a history of talking about this as well. I remember we actually uh, discussed it for one of our experiments versus experience many years ago. Um, the whole "is it a sport or not" kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, I know. I, I, I mean, I, it is funny because all these years later, now that I've even transi- transitioned over to powerlifting more of course my you know my my history is of course in bodybuilding that's my base and you know i i still don't it it still comes up in my mind once in a while you know um the different aspects of it and i I still don't really know if i have an opinion on it let me let me are you there yeah okay let let me start with a definition here if if you just look online the definition of sport an activity involving physical exertion and skill in which an individual or team competes against another or others. Or another example says physical activity that is governed by a set of rules or customs. So by those criteria, one of the things I find interesting about bodybuilding, of course, is that um, although there is definitely performance on the day, 
and again, I would for people who say this is just a spectacle or even something that's you know uh, circus-like or some way. Again, as somebody who's uncharitable looking at this, uh, I would suggest that you know there there is an art to it. I do think some people lament the idea that opposing routine may not carry quite as much weight. But if you think about other sports, there are other visual subjective sports like um, you know ice skating, diving. You know, these have technical components and a performance on the day. Um, but I think what's interesting about bodybuilding compared to powerlifting, for example, is most of the sport takes place as far as, you know, exertion, uh, you know, hard work, all that kind of stuff. A lot of it at least takes place before the event. Now, I'm not saying that doesn't happen in, in powerlifting. I'm sure it does. But you get the idea that, I mean, a lot of this stuff, it sort of harkens back to what you do in the gym and then right. the day of the events, more of a display, like almost like here's what I've done over the last year. Right. Right. So, well, yeah. and the difference between bodybuilding and powerlifting is bodybuilding. You can go into the gym any day and it really doesn't matter whether you're on or not. You can go through the motions. Powerlifting. I've done uh, the state meet and actually um, set some records uh, back when I started and um, powerlifting, your workout does matter. You know, if it's a bad workout, it's a bad workout. And um, on the day of the the meet, you have to be on. And on the day of the bodybuilding competition, you have to be on in the sense that you did all your diet and your supplements, your sodium, your water, everything correct. But on the day of the show... Um, you know, it's all about the timing of everything. Um, you know, powerlifting, you have to be on. <laughs> right. Well, also, it's, and again, I've competed in both, and it's just, to me, it, I always used to say things like the athleticism of bodybuilding is in the gym and the training, and, and you know, the art is on the stage. Um, right. But, you know, li- listening to what Lonnie just said is the definition of what is sport, then it, I question whether or not it really is sport, because, again, I, I think of it as art on stage and the athleticism in the gym, but in the gym, you're not competing against somebody else. Um, right. So it's, it's, that, that's the whole thing that always kind of, and I, I certainly like what you're saying about the powerlifting differences. Like, I mean, yeah, that's, I mean, my whole world changed as far as my outlook on going to the gym once I did make that transition to more specific strength powerlifting training in that, like you say, you're not going in and just kind of randomly, um, you know, okay, well, today I'm doing chest and I'll do this, these things. And I mean, you have a certain, you know, this is yes, your quota for the, Yeah, it's like yeah. this is my, you know, this is the weight that I'm supposed to lift today. I'm supposed yeah. to do this many sets with it, this much right. reps, not more, not less. Right, progression right. like that. Yeah, progression. Right, yeah. And, and a lot of people in, in gym culture still don't really understand that, I, you know, that right. whole concept of, like, even yesterday I was in the gym and I was doing, uh, my top weight on the bench was 335 for the day. Um, mm-hmm. And I was just doing sets of fives. And, and I had all these people coming up to me, three people, separate people came up to me over the course of the sets I was doing, and they said to me, oh, those were easy. Why didn't you, why, why don't yeah. you do more reps or put <laughs> right. more weight yeah. on you it? You had more and you, come on. Yeah, and, and it gets tiring. You're like, listen, you know, this is, well, this is what I'm supposed to do today. No right. more, no less. No that's less. it. That's, and that's the whole point. Um, so much so that it was actually interesting because a guy who is more of a bodybuilder yesterday was also benching in another place. Um, and he started speaking with me. He goes, oh, he had like 295 on or something, and he kind of did a half-ass set of six or something. He's like, oh, well, I, I don't understand. Last week I got eight with this. And I said, well, that's, <laughs> and I said, you know what? That's exactly, 
the mentality that I used to always have that whole before right. I kind of understood the rudiments of progression. You know, it's like right. if you keep trying to better yourself with the same weight every week based on just, you know, just uh, it, you almost invariably almost either overtrain or you don't really progress that much at all. If not, de- you know, uh, go backwards. Right. So, I think that's what Christine I, was saying. Right. The sort of it's yeah. it's not haphazard. But you can have up and down days or some days your goals are even different, right? In, in bodybuilding, maybe if you undulate your training on purpose, maybe you're just going in for a pump one day and then you're doing heavy work on another day or, right, or right. something like that, right? And I yeah. totally believe that if every bodybuilder took a year and just went through a powerlifting regime, they would, their eyes would open to so much more that, you know, the possibilities of what they can do in the gym and to their physique yeah. would be unbelievable but, but they just advice. don't and it's and it's so um i don't know what word i'm looking for but people just don't do it anymore and so you know i used to have a group of five or so female power lifters that it was so much fun and they don't get how much fun it is and how you can see yourself get strong using weights you never thought you could use and I would love to see a, a resurgence of that. Um, in Fargo, actually, if Tom were on the line, it sound, they've got a group of guys up there and some women that are really getting into it, and it's kind of fun to see, and I wish it would come back a little bit more. Yeah, I think one of the things... A lot more. Yeah, I, I, we're huge fans of that. We've talked about that off and on over the few years of this podcast is... You know, we, we almost long for the day of the, the camaraderie where bodybuilders were also strong. It wasn't sort of an all right. show and no go kind of right. sport, you know. Right. Yeah. And of, and of course, we're not trying to make the, the, um, you know, intimate that a lot of bodybuilders aren't very strong. Certainly they're stronger than the average person. And when you're talking about people who are more advanced, they're considerably stronger. It's just, yeah. And, and to further what you were saying, Christina, it's the whole idea of that. If a lot of body bodybuilders have come to this point where, you know, if they see a powerlifter and a powerlifter kind of gives them in, in advice, whether it's solicited or not, they always take it like, well, I'm not a powerlifter, I'm a bodybuilder, right? I don't do, I don't right. care about. And they don't seem to understand that the whole mar- that margin of strength is so, you know, is is so, you know, it's it's from everything from a maximum signal to you know how many you can do for 15 or 20 reps. And the bottom line is like right. like you were saying. If if a if a if a bodybuilder who was not used to this actually did a you know proper you know two or three cycles of bo- of powerlifting you know using percentages and all this type of thing when they eventually got back to their you know um, typical whatever you know whatever rep range they normally use eights tens whatever they want that they're particular they'll see that the weights that they're using are so considerably greater and mm-hmm. you know when, when you're when you're measuring just an apple to an apple a person to himself there's no way i mean if the if the form is the same and everything is the same but it's you know 50 100 pounds more on the lift it's inconceivable mm-hmm. this person's not going to be thicker denser and bigger so right. yeah you know and like i said so it it can all be tailored to the athlete i mean and this goes beyond right. just bodybuilders powerlifters this goes to any type of athlete whether you're a hockey player or the, that's the wonderful mm-hmm. thing about resistance training is you can you can you can tailor weight training specifically to what you do um, and modify things so much like that and i think a lot of people just don't realize just the, that's why i always laugh when people say oh you know i used to lift weights for a bit for but it's so boring and I, I never, right. like, 20, 25 years later, I, I still have no idea how weightlifting, weight training is ever boring. No, I can see they've it. They've been well, taught 
taught incorrectly. That's why. Well, that's what I'm saying because it's like you know, if you if you have a goal in mind, whatever that goal might be within the realms of what you can accomplish in weight training, I don't really understand the whole concept of it being boring. You know, but right. but right. again, I'm probably preaching to the choir here because, of course, we're all <laughs> right. we're all in love with the. Well, thing, there's but. there's so many um, trainers out there that don't have that experience. You know, they've been taught to teach the basics of weight training to their clientele um, and don't know really a whole lot about strength training and which the average person can do as a workout and can find um, joy in it instead of just going to the gym and doing these exercises for so many sets and so many reps and then getting on a machine and doing cardio and going home. They would have a reason to go to the gym and goals to attain. But these, you know, trainers don't teach people how to work out like that. Right. Because they don't know themselves. They don't know how to do it. Absolutely. Phil, are you still with us? I'm here, man. I'm here. So, you know what? Some of what Christine is saying is it's reminiscent of some of the stuff that you go on about, right? About a lot of people work out. They do something because they think they should yeah. And they don't have a specific goal, right? I mean... Yeah, they don't have a goal. They don't have a passion for it. And, I mean, if it's not fun, there are so many other physical things to do that, you know, find something that is. You know, if you don't... If you're not into powerlifting, fine. Do, do something else. But there's so many sex that, um, you know, you can find one that's enjoyable. Yeah, even, with, even within the strength sports. <laughs> yeah, right? exactly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I always tell people in the gym that. I mean, you know, it's, I've said it a billion times, but, you know, you, you, a person, an individual can, you know, receive motivation externally and it will suspend them for, you know, a week, a month, four months. But ultimately, you know, to, to last, you're going to have to, you're going to have to have some sort of fire that burns within you and, and you will, otherwise you won't laugh. So like Phil says, I mean, if you, I tell people all the time, I'm like, if you absolutely hate this, Try your best to find something it. about it you like. And if you can't, for God's sakes, like, you know, f- find something else. I mean, because nobody lasts doing something that they absolutely despise. Well, I, that's right. why we're, I think we're all such big fans of competing. I think Christine is going to join in with that sentiment that it gives you a goal. You know, I mean, for me this time, it was can I get down, you know, very low in body fat. Basically, my goal was can I get leaner than I was when I competed when I was, you know, in my early thirties, for example, yeah. you know, and, and there's no way I, w- I would have gone through this last month that I'm still sort of enduring. Uh, if I didn't know that I was going to be on stage at basically my underwear in front of hundreds of people, you know, right. so, and it's the same thing with a power meet, right? Nobody wants to embarrass themselves. Everybody wants to do well. And, um, right. you know, competing gives you that fire, I think. So, right. That's why I believe. That's why I think these new divisions—the physique, the figure, the bikini—it does give women and men um, a goal, a reason to go work out, um, even though they're not interested in getting very muscular. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I, there, you know, there has been some great things with those new divisions, and you know, there's a lot of people in the gym that go there every day and really enjoy it but um get bored with it and so these types of competitions they can continue to train and then have a goal for a reason to work out a reason to go to the gym yeah 
Well, that's why I've even stopped. Um, you know, I used to always, you know, consider going to the gym to work out. And I've, no. last several years, I've really changed my opinion. And it's like, I don't, I don't ever call my sessions anymore workouts. They're sessions. Because exerciser, exercisers work out, athletes train. Um, right. And, and that, that is a very fundamental difference. Oh, it is. People need a higher purpose. It's the same reason as a professor that I stay obsessed with research. I mean, teaching day in and day out, it can be fun. It can be creative, you know, but there's always a higher purpose too. And I think it's the same thing with sport. You know, if, if your goal is to not just look at, at the current meso cycle, but you go on to next year or three, five years from now. And I think powerlifters m- might be even better at that, but bodybuilders will do that too. You know, can I move up in a weight class or, you know, can I reach a new PR of a very specific number in the dead or the squat or whatever it is? That kind of stuff right. gives you a quest, a higher purpose, Correct. you know, and Correct. I, it's just so important. Um, so anyway. And I'm going to have to, uh, to cut out Lonnie. And, um, I have a client who just came in. Sure. Um, I appreciate very much, um, being included in this. And, Absolutely, um, we're glad to have you on. We may, I may ask you to come on again because you have a lot of uh, good points. <laughs> yeah, no, we enjoy, yeah, enjoyed no having problem. you. Yeah, for sure. yeah, we're not, we're not just saying that. It was that was actually enjoyable. <laughs> so you're, you're pre- <laughs> we've had some guests who are a little dry or maybe you know disingenuous, but your combination of uh, you know um, promoting and competitive cred and everything, you you got a good head on your shoulders. I'd like to have you back on. <laughs> okay, I would love to. You just let me know when, and I'll be there. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. All right, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, everybody, I was uh, I was just about to wind things down. We are out of time. Uh, as far as uh, announcements and everything else, I think we've covered pretty much what we want. Uh, I will make a plug since Rob was mentioning Bob Bonham's show. Um, and again, now that Christine's off the line, I wouldn't want to offend her talking about NABA events or other federations, and I don't think it would. But uh, the NABA Mr. Canton is uh, my last show of the season, and maybe for a while. We'll see. I'm not the kind of person that competes quite as often as Phil, but it's May 7th in Canton, Ohio, and I just wanted to compete in NABA. Again, Rob was talking about the history of different events and how deep it goes, and I think NABA has a ton of history. If you think about a lot of the great names in bodybuilding, they, they compete. I've never yeah. never done NABA, that in a NABA event. NABA is... is the the preeminent pioneer of all competitive bodybuilding, and I don't think anybody who knows the sport will deny that. I mean, certainly when you look at the IFBB kind of taking over that mantle, that's fine and well and good. But I mean, you know, it, when it comes down to it, it was not NABA. So yeah, well, you know. it, it's it's too cool to pass up. And I'll tell you, Christine was talking about promoting events. Uh, one of the things I think Pep Wall does there at Bodybuilders Gym in Akron is build this event almost into his very hardcore gym atmosphere and nothing will charge up a gym atmosphere like you know a hardcore event where there's a high caliber of competitors and make no mistake people i mean christina mentioned that light heavies were one of the most um vicious competitive classes and and uh, you take a hard core blue collar work ethic town like akron and you have pep host an event there's a lot of seriously dense thick uh, you know, impressive bodies in a show like that. So, anyway, it'll be fun. Yeah, and also, uh, yeah, so let's trump that gym again. That was Bodybuilding Incorporated. That's in Akron, Ohio. Um, and anybody who's down that way, definitely check it out. It's one of the best gyms I've ever trained in. So, yeah, Bodybuilders and, Inc. They've actually Inc., been, yeah, yeah they've been uh, ranked in the top 10 hardcore gyms in the entire nation. Yeah, the place is great. And, and it's I, owned, 
you know, it's wall. back with the comp- competing. You know, he, he builds it in, and it's yeah. smart. So, okay, yeah, and and you're and you're you're down there competing next weekend, and I'm going to come down and see you. So, um, if anybody's in that area, you know, get a ticket and come on down, man. I know we have some listeners in the Youngstown, Akron, Cleveland area. So, yeah. um, come on down. We'll all uh, share a post. Uh, Post uh, competition pizza with Lonnie. Oh, make no mistake. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you next time. See you later, guys. Later. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding. Um, Please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org uh, store. Uh, we also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. So thank you to those who have done it. Uh, our mug drive, where we're giving away some thank you mugs, Almost over at this point, we have just a handful left, and uh, those of you who have already supported us with a $4 a month recurring donation, your mugs are on the way. Again, thank you 50 times, and in the future, we'll try other promotions as well. Thanks. And we'd like to also announce that with our 100th episode, we're going to offer that caption contest on our Facebook uh, listeners page. So, Go to Facebook, type in Iron Radio, look at the pictures of Phil and Rob. We're going to have a picture of each of these guys and caption the photo. It should be fun. So again, go to Facebook, Iron Radio listeners page, and tell us what Rob and Phil are doing, at least in your head. should be fun, and you'll win a prize if we choose you as the funniest caption. Thanks. For the best sports nutrition information on the planet, make plans to attend the 8th Annual ISSN Conference and Expo, June 23rd to 25th, 2011, at the Westin Las Vegas Hotel, Casino, and Spa. We'll have the latest on creatine, beta-alanine, protein, nutrient timing, and much, much more. So, for more information, go to www.theissn.org. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.